too many women focus only on the physical and they don't integrate in your emotional, your spiritual and your mental well-being. Welcome to Energy Matters, exploring awakening to your authentic self and finding purpose through mind, body and soul with your hosts, Cody Edner and David Gandelman. Brought to you by IntuitiveVision.net and GroundedMind.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Energy Matters. Brought to you by IntuitiveVision.net and GroundedMind.com. This is David Gandelman. I'm here with my amazing co-host, Cody Edner. We've got a really special show for you today. We've got the wonderful Lynn Manning on. She's the founder of DollarWorkoutClub.com and ToFitAtHome.com and the co-host of Fit to Fat to Fit podcast. She's a women's fitness specialist. She's an incredible teacher and guide for anyone that wants to get in shape to feel healthy and to feel good about themselves. And we jump into some amazing topics during this episode, right, Cody? We talk about hormones and hormonal issues. We talk about intuitive eating, which I thought was just when you eat whatever you want. Apparently, there's more to it. (laughs) We we discuss some tips for men to understand women. And uh, Lynn shared some incredible stories of her own intuitive experiences. It it was just an amazing discussion. This was a very... uh exciting and fun interview. Lynn's a really a fun, a fun lady. She has a great sense of humor. And one of the things she loves to focus on is working with women on loving themselves and working towards their fitness goals. And Lynn has a great story that she shares with us about her fitness journey and about the difference between being uh, fit on the outside, so to speak, and really being fit on the inside. And she brings a lot of Uh, ideas and awareness and focus now to her work and to her clients about getting fit as a whole person, about self-care of the whole person. And that's what's so exciting about her fitness strategy is that it really takes a view of the whole person, which fits right in with our uh, podcast here, you know, focusing on finding that authentic self on the mind, body and soul connection. And Lynn certainly brings a lot of soul to this talk. I was taking notes the entire episode. Go, Whoa, I, I should do that for my morning routine. Exactly. Interesting. So yeah. get out your notebook. She's going to teach you a lot. Great. Happy to have you all here. And we're very excited to share this with you. So Lynn, welcome uh, to Energy Matters. And uh, it, we are so excited to have you here. And really, we're grateful that you take the time to sit down with us and share your story. And um I know you are you're a fitness expert, and we wanted to start off just by hearing a little bit about your story and how you got into uh, the fitness world and uh, where you are today. Oh, well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, you guys. Um, to clarify, I don't know if I'd say I'm a fitness expert. Some people might call me that. I am a woman's fitness specialist, and I feel like in the field of health and wellness, it's ever expanding and growing, and we're learning so much as we go. And of course, my approach is different, just like a lot of of the trainers. And that's probably where to start as far as my story goes. Um, a lot of trainers focus on, you know, eating healthy and exercise, which is great. And it's it's important for us, of course, to to focus on those components. But what's interesting about my story is 
you know, working on my own body and myself and with my clients, that would be my primary focus. I originally started focusing on, okay, maybe we should eat whole foods or more so paleo, especially because that was such a hot trend at the time. And it still is. And of course, eating whole foods is always great and exercise more. And the more you exercise, the better. And what was interesting at that time in my life is I reached a, a point where physically I was very thin. I was very toned. Um, I had been eating really healthy, actually all my blood panels, as far as like my HDL, my LDL, triglycerides, cholesterol levels, all those were great. And how old were you? At this so time? I was about 29 years old. So, and I've been, um, in the industry for about four years, um, as, as far as a certified trainer for about four years. So I, you know, I'm 29 years old and I'm at the pinnacle as far as looking very physically fit. And my, my numbers, as far as uh, health wise, like the cholesterol levels, all those are great. But what's interesting is at this point in my life, I'm feeling very unwell. You know, I'm feeling emotionally unstable. I'm having a lot of mood swings, you know, at the time, you know, I have a, a not a newborn, but about six months. So a, a young baby and a two-year-old and I'm just not feeling good. I, I'm tired all the time, but yet I can't sleep. You know, I'm an emotional wreck. I notice I'm short-tempered. And so I decided to go to my doctor. And again, you know, all of the blood panel work, not my hormone levels that wasn't tested at the time, blood panel looks great. You know, I'm in optimal health. And it's interesting. I'm telling him all of all of these symptoms, everything that's wrong. And he just looks at me and he goes, well, you're bipolar. And I was like, oh, my God, thanks for letting me know. I thought that about a lot of women. <laughs> so I'm intrigued what happens next. So I'm just like, oh, I thought I was just like a woman going through a hard time, but I guess I'm bipolar. So, you know, he literally says to me, I think you're bipolar. And he writes out like four prescriptions. I'm like, what are all these four? He's like, oh, I'll be fine. Just take it. Um, come back to me in a few months. You know, you'll feel you'll feel better. And of course, you know, a lot of people, if you meet with a doctor and they tell you one thing, you think, okay, they're an expert. This is what I need to do. So I fill all the prescriptions. I go home. I actually lay them all on my bed. And you know how those prescriptions come with like a three-page instruction slash description with all the side effects. And I'm reading these side effects and I was in tears because I'm reading these side effects and they're awful. They're worse than how I'm feeling. I'm thinking, wow, I'm going to take this because I'm feeling a little moody and tired and stressed. And then this is like the side effects are like, you know, suicide, you know, possible suicide, depression, anxiety, diarrhea, weight gain, weight loss. Like it was extreme. I'm reading all these side effects. I'm like, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't take it. I was like, I want to get a second opinion. So luckily... I asked around and I heard about a, a great doctor that was near me who really only worked with women and specialized in female hormones. And I was thinking, you know, I was always happy and felt great before. So maybe there's something askew with my hormones. I have had two kids now. I'm close to my 30s. And so I go to see this woman. I talk to her for over an hour. She's asking me a ton of different questions. And she looks at me. She's like, you're not bipolar. That guy is crazy. She's like, I could almost guarantee I know what's wrong with you, but let's take a full hormone panel. And then I came back about a week later. And sure enough, she sits me down. She's like, your body is completely out of balance. She's like, your, your cortisol levels, which is a stress-induced hormone, we all release it. Actually, a lot of women that struggle with losing weight in their belly, um, when you are stressed, you release a hormone called cortisol, and it actually makes you retain belly fat. So 
My cortisol levels had gone through the roof and she said they must have been consistently high for so long. They shut down my adrenal glands, um, which function and help function your stress and, and energy levels, which is why I was so fatigued. And, but yet it makes it so you can't sleep, which is why I wasn't sleeping. And my estrogen, progesterone, testosterone levels, they were all askew. My DHE levels were down and it shut down my thyroid. So I was hypothyroid. So basically my whole body hormonally, even though physically my HDL, LDL, cholesterol levels, all those were great. But the rest of my body was completely out of balance because I had neglected the other components of my life, you know, the emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being of myself was neglected for this physical well-being. And I hadn't realized until that moment how they work synergistically. You have to have all of them together if you really want to have overall health and wellness. Hmm. That's an amazing story, Lynn. And do you think that there are a lot of women or women that you work with in particular that are going through this on some level hormonally? And do they, for men, we go, wow, why are so many women crazy? Maybe this might be the answer right here. This is like missing link for men to understand. I mean, is it, well, my question is, is it, there's something off about women's hormones because of their diet or for some other biological reason? And then when they correct that, they're, they come back to sanity or is it something spiritual and emotional that they're struggling with that then triggers their hormones to be off? Do you know what I mean? Where does it start? And have you seen a lot of this in other women or is it just you? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was just going to say that, you know, women are crazy because of men. It's primarily men's fault. No, I'm just teasing. I'm, t- I'm completely joking around. I mean, aside from the fact that they're always wrong and it's really frustrating. Aside from that, no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. So um, that's a really great question. It's a little bit complex because there's not a, a black and white answer to that. Um, every woman is different. I will say that I think too many people in the industry, which is why I take a different approach now, especially since I work only with women, and too many women focus only on the physical and they don't integrate in your emotional, your spiritual and your mental well-being. And that does play a role in your health and wellness. And it definitely plays a role in your hormones. And especially for women after you've had children you're, or you're over 30, women that are older going through menopause, all of that messes up your hormone levels, which greatly affect your body. And then, yes, when your hormone levels are off, we may at times act a little bit crazy. And I like that we have this as an excuse to be like, see, it's not our fault. <laughs> right because we don't have an excuse yeah although we do we do aim to frustrate i think it's just kind of <laughs> a male thing. Yeah. <laughs> um well and that kind of opens the door to to a really great question which is you you were a fitness um trainer already and then you had you kind of went down this road or had this happen and you've healed yourself so how has that changed your approach uh, to wellness and in working with women, where do you what do you kind of focus on, and what what are the important things uh, beyond you know ec- the exercise and, and regular things we might think of? Yeah, absolutely. So I completely revamped my a- approach. Initially, I'd sit down with somebody and I'd do all the formulas. I could be like, okay, based on your your height, your age, and your weight, your resting metabolic rate is X, and so we're going to put you on a meal plan of Y, and we're going to do this. And I realized that people were coming to me with a problem and I wasn't hitting the source. The problem was, is most women would come to me unhappy with, with how they looked. They'd be like, I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to lose 30 pounds, or I want to be a size two. And I realized that 
I, what I was focusing, I was thinking, oh, they just want to lose weight. That's the problem. And it really wasn't the source of the problem. And instead of focusing and, you know, focusing just on the physical women, I could get them to a size two, I could get them to a size four and they'd still be miserable because they were unhappy with who they were. And they were focusing all the attention thinking I'm unhappy because I'm overweight. And really they were unhappy because they didn't love who they were. And so instead of focusing on just the physical, now when I meet with clients, I I approach it and actually I even created a program around it. I talk about loving yourself to greater health and the focus on, you know, I, I don't weigh my clients. I don't even measure them. They can measure and weigh if they want. I highly discourage it, especially within the first 30 days. And instead, I take an overall balanced approach to helping them learn to find themselves, to love themselves um, through positivity, through uh, meditation, through, you know, trying to intuitively eat and exercise, which is more of my approach now. Instead of, I can, I do offer training programs and meal plans as general guidance to try to help people jumpstart and get started. But really what I'm teaching them about is finding who they are and loving who they are. And through that process, we all can intuitively, meaning we know our body knows what it needs and wants, and we can intuitively enjoy exercise so that it's part of our lifestyle. Diets don't work. Statistics show diets do not work. No one sticks with the diet. Over 90% of people end up failing and gaining weight back because it's not a lifestyle and they don't love who they are. And that's what's missing. Cody, that explains yeah, a lot for you, doesn't it? That last part. <laughs> <laughs> which which part yeah, was that, put David? Put on some winter weight. Oh, you put on some winter weight? <laughs> you just got to love yourself harder, Cody. Love yeah, that's harder. right. No. It's all about the self-care. <laughs> the self-love. Sometimes it's just about the good food that's around you <laughs> and you fluctuate five or so pounds. It's living life. Don't beat yourself up about it. Um, and I just want to go back to one thing you said, Lynn, which was intuitive eating. Now, I feel like we've all done intuitive eating, which is I want that hamburger or I want more <laughs> of that candy. Or, I want to stuff my face. That's craving is eating. That I don't intuitive? think that's intuitive. Oh, that's, that's okay. So what do you, what I mean, do you need sometimes exactly? It's, sometimes it is intuitive. Like, so this is, the, this is the difference. So I am such a foodie and anyone that knows me or follows me on social media, I get the the most compliment that I get is people are like, I love that you love food because food is, you know, a love language of mine. They say there's four love languages, but the fifth is food for sure. Um, and I love food and it's a big component of my life and my social life. But what I used to do a lot more of, and I really didn't feel like I control it. I felt like this was a part of who I was, was I was a huge emotional eater, you know? So I was upset. I would eat. I was happy. I'd eat. I was sad. I'd eat. Like no matter what mood I was in, I felt like, well, this is why I I have to eat. I'm stressed out. And I'm going out with friends. I have to eat. And it felt uncontrollable. And a lot of clients come to me, especially women, will say that. And some of it is hormonal. When I got my hormones imbalanced, I noticed that my cravings went down, especially as your stress goes down, your cravings go down those type of cravings. But what was interesting is, is when I really would connect and a lot of this was a routine that I kind of started creating in my life. And I, I, like I said, and a lot of that was focusing on loving myself and self-care as I started doing that, that it was interesting. I didn't only crave junk food, which is what I felt like before. I felt like it was a chore to force myself to eat vegetables. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't think they tasted good. But as I was loving myself and focusing on, you know, I, some of the key things that I would do was positive affirmations, a gratitude journal, meditation, things like that. I noticed that I did crave healthier foods. I craved a lot of whole foods and greens and, you know, 
fruits and vegetables and things that would nourish and help my body move more and be more active. I enjoyed being more active. And it really does come intuitively. And tons of my clients that have worked with me have later said that. They're like, it's interesting. I never really thought I enjoyed those kinds of foods. But after I did your program, I started eating healthier, but not because I had to, but because I wanted to. Our bodies really are made to tell us what it needs. And some days, do I crave donuts? Yes. And do I eat them? Yes. And a lot of those times I realize that my body's probably needing more carbs for fuel. Maybe I'm low in glycogen levels and it needs more carbs for fuel. And if you listen to your body and if you're being healthy and treating your body well, I do believe that you will find that perfect balance for you. Now, a lot of times clients do need to initially detox because they've been in this vicious kind of nasty cycle for so long that their body is addicted to sugar. And so I'll put them on a four-week kind of detox meal plan along with having them do these steps in my Love Yourself program. And then at that point, they can start to trust their own instincts and intuitively start to listen to their body. Right. So it's not right away. They kind of, they do need discipline at Mm -hmm. first. And when they have enough grounding or sense of structure, then they can move more into the intuitive eating. Right. And I kind of tell them it's it's just like any, anytime you've read any books about creating healthy habits or habits in general, they say, you know, it takes about a month to create a habit, doing something continually for a month. Like with meditation, if you meditate every day for a month, I'm sure it's a lot easier than if you meditate once and then you wait two weeks and you try it again. You're like, oh, I can't really get this meditation down. But if you get into a structure and you do it continually for 30 days, it becomes a habit, a part of your lifestyle. So yes, initially I have more of a structure. I have them be accountable and report back to me and they learn things as they go and they create these healthy habits so that then they're kind of off and running on their own lifestyle and they're able to listen to their own bodies. Yeah. It's, it sounds like you're, you're showing them how to reconnect with themselves, with that inner self, uh, whether we call it their energy or spirit. And then once they make that connection and they've started on a path of kind of self-care, self-love, that then they can actually hear what the body has to say. And then that's the intuitive impulse, like to do the right thing or to be drawn towards the need. Mm-hmm. Is that yes. sound fair? Yes, that's yeah. exactly correct. And by especially setting the tone in the morning and having mm-hmm. a, a really good healthy start to your morning with that positivity and with the meditation and you're connecting to whatever, like you said, you want to call it source energy, God, whatever you want to call it when you're connected to that and you're connected to yourself and to your soul and you're starting your day like that, you're kind of led by your truth throughout the whole day. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's a good start. Yeah. And Lynn, I was just going to say, when what does your morning ah, okay. look like? I, I was just going to say oh, that too. Okay. I've been Let working on, a, on trying to fix a good morning routine, having a, a child, a, a daughter, and you know, the morning's all about getting her off to school. And for years, it's really been consumed by that. I've just started to really try to come up with and work on a good morning routine. And you just mentioned something triggered both David and I, yes. which is what is do? the morning routine okay, that you That's need a to perfect do? question. And of course, everyone can build their morning with what fits them best, but I'll share some of the tips that I have my clients do. And for me, and I tell them by doing this, maybe they can find their best routine because of course it always goes back to doing what's best for you. But for me, and there's actually interesting studies that show the first five minutes of your day, what you look at and what you do rewires your brain for the rest of the day. There's interesting studies about that. So it's really crucial the first five minutes of what you wake up, what you do. First five minutes, what do most people do? They grab their phone, right? 
and they're looking at maybe they're looking at social media, their friends, uh, their work emails, their bank account statements, whatever it is. And that could start like a stress trigger just throughout your day. And so instead, one of the best things that I like to do is I keep a list on my phone, a gratitude list, and I also have a notebook, a gratitude journal. So the first thing I do in the morning is I review the list. So you review your gratitude list and you build upon it. So, and some days if you, maybe you had a hard night or you're having a hard day, it's okay if you don't build on it every day. But I try to add three things to my gratitude list every morning, either on my phone or in my journal. And I've just built it over time. And so it could be anything from, you know, if you read my list, some things might make you laugh um, because they're so simple and or people might consider mundane like I have coffee on there I'm grateful for coffee and of course I have larger things like I'm grateful for my children I have two girls I'm grateful you know I'm grateful that I'm alive I'm grateful for my home I'm grateful that I have the food that I stand in need of I'm grateful for friends but reviewing the things that you're grateful for just rewires your brain to think more positively throughout the day so that's one of the first things that I do I look at my gratitude list I build upon my gratitude list and then before my feet touch the floor, I always say three positive statements. So I have positive affirmations. And that was one of the key things I did after my doctor showed me everything that was wrong and told me that my stress levels were so high. I realized I needed to focus on self-love and self-care. And honestly, at that time, I really didn't like myself. You know, I'd look in the mirror and it would always be negative. You know, I'm so ugly. I'm fat. I don't like, you know, I don't like this about myself you know, nobody likes me, blah, blah, you know, it's like so grumpy and negative. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to say three positive statements every morning. And people will ask me, should I say them if I don't mean them? And I'll, and I always say, yes. I'm like, you know, a lot of times we don't realize the truth because we've been telling ourselves lies for so long. You've been telling yourself the lie that you're not good enough and that you're not beautiful, but we are all good enough and we're all beautiful and we're all unique and talented. So you've been lying to yourself for so long you don't realize that you think that you're telling yourself a lie by telling yourself every morning, I'm a strong, confident, amazing woman. And I guess if you're a man, you are lying to yourself. But um, <laughs> but the truth is, is that is the truth and you, you're just, you've forgotten. So yeah, I, I have three positive statements. They've switched over the years because a lot of them initially focused were on things that um, I struggled with at the time and now I've shifted those. Um, but three positive statements repeated usually about 10 times before my feet would touch the floor, you know, and then from there, my routine isn't always 100% the same because, you know, some mornings when it's the school year, I do have to get my kids to school by a certain time. So I'll, you know, get them dressed and ready off to school, I'll come back and then I'll drink a cup of coffee, I'll do my meditation. Um, and then I'll get I usually do work, I like to work first thing in the morning after I've done that routine. Um, if I don't have to get my kids to school, and a lot of times I am up before them, then after my positive affirmations, I'll do a meditation. Some days it's shorter, some days it's longer. Um, and then I'll have my coffee and I'll do my work. And that's my routine every day. Positivity, affirmations, meditation, work. And then after that, like my it. day kind of just shifts around depending on my schedule. Get your answer, Cody. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's great. Lynn, thank you. I wanted to also ask you a little bit more. And thank you for sharing that. That was that was amazing. I was taking mental notes the entire time because I usually wake up and look in the mirror and go, Aah! and then I go back. To <laughs> right. <laughs> and then go and, back you know, to I, uh, It's funny because I've been uh, I I put some meditations of mine on this app called Insight Timer. It's like the 
one of the more popular meditation apps. And I have all these meditations on there and they all get thousands of listens. But the one that seems to get the most listens is I woke up, it's called I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. So it's telling me that all these people are all waking up not feeling great. So maybe they're not doing something really great the night before or they're not eating well so they're not sleeping well or they're just not enthusiastic and excited about life. I don't know what it is but I've just noticed that time and time again people are listening to this meditation called you know uh, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed they don't feel good in the morning so that was so cool that you shared all that thank well, you and I feel like a lot of that comes from how they wake up I've had clients that said that too and I'm like well what are the things that you do for those first five minutes when you wake up when it's the studies show that you know your neuropaths are like firing everywhere and, and designing how you're going to feel the rest of the day and think the rest of the day and most of the time they're like well I wake up and I think I hate my job I hate my spouse. (laughs) Maybe my kids are annoying. Like it's all these negative perpetual thoughts. And I'll tell them, okay, when you wake up, the first thing I want you to do is pull up that journal, that gratitude journal. And I want you to add to it. And I want you to read it. And then I want you to do those positive affirmations. And it's amazing that a lot of those people that said, I always wake up tired and grumpy and miserable. were like, oh, I have more energy and I'm happier. I'm like, right. Because you're focused on positive things in the morning now instead of negative things in the morning now. Wow. That's amazing. And that kind of leads into my next question, which is about self-image. So some of the story you were telling about yourself and some of the clients that you work with, they don't think highly of themselves. And I guess that comes down to self-image, right? They have Mm -hmm. a picture of who they are and they look in the mirror and they see that image and they go, I'm not worthy on, on some level or another. And I remember actually going to visit a friend and I went into her bathroom and I looked in the mirror And all of a sudden, I started feeling like, oh, my skin is gross. I'm breaking out. I'm off. I'm too small. Or I had all these crazy thoughts that I never have. And then I realized, I look around, there's all this makeup. There's all this stuff. And even just the energy in her bathroom was set at a negative self-image. And it was like I stepped into this cloud of that. And then I Mm. woke up from it. And I was like, oh, my God, that's not me. That's her. That's what she Mm -hmm. thinks about herself. Her self-image was so strongly negative that it was like I stepped into it and I began to feel that way. And we could do that to ourselves. And then if it's strong enough to other people. And that was the trippiest experience about self-image I've ever had. And we all struggle with self-image, right, on one level or another. How do you for yourself and for your clients, teach them to bust that game of self-image and start to just accept themselves for who they are and not for an image. Even if the image is positive, Mm -hmm. right? It's still an image. Mm -hmm. It could be positive or negative. It's not actually the energy of who you are. So what do you do for yourself and for your clients? How do you show them? How do you bust those self-images and really come to a place of actually loving yourself Mm. or just accepting who you are so you can get up out of bed in the morning and not just you know, fumble around in negativity. Man, that's such a, that's such a good and deep question. And I would say this is one of the number one struggles that my clients have, especially because they're female. So I don't know if you guys ever, if you guys know Brene Brown and her work, I love her work. But one of the things that she talks about is the number one shame trigger for women is our physical appearance. And that's so true with all the, with all the clients. I mean, like you said, they, they, have this image of themselves of what they need to be or want to be or what society tells them to look like. And all of their worth is wrapped up in this, in this picture that they have of what they need to be physically. And in trying to shape, break that and to, to tell a client and to work with a client on loving who they are and realizing their core and their essence is so much more than how they physically look is a really hard 
process and it is different for everybody. And it does start with those simple, I would say it starts with simple things and it's going to be different for everybody, but it starts with uh, some simple tasks and like some of them are like the positive affirmations in the morning. So you're, you're getting up out of bed being positive. But one of the big things that I make all my clients focus on is how many times a day do you put yourself down? And I'll tell them, you know, write it, keep a notebook with you. And every time you say something unkind about yourself, like I'm fat or I'm ugly or someone compliments you on your outfit, you're like, oh, this is old. Anytime you you say something negative about yourself, I'm like, I want you to write it, put a little check mark in a book. And I want you to look at it at the end of the day and realize how many times a day you are negative towards you. And imagine that you are your own best friend. So I tell them, so a lot of times they'll be like, oh my gosh, I marked it. It was like 120 times that I was rude to myself in a day. It's astounding if you actually mark in a book for you to sit back and have this aha moment of, I beat myself up all day long. And I'll tell them, would you ever say those things to your best friend? And they're like, of course not. I'm like, would you ever tell your best friend that she's fat and that she's ugly, she dresses terrible, she's a bad mom? I've said things like that to Cody before, actually. <laughs> Men are <laughs> Especially the bad mom really, <laughs> really Cody, just hit me hard. David is abusive. Let's ignore him for the rest of the show because he's terrible. Oh my I'm just kidding. God. We love you, David. Um, self-image just got worse. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, and of course, the, the truth is, is if you ask anyone that question, they'll always be like, appalled. No, I would never say that to my best friend. And I tell them, you are your best friend. You live with yourself. Your friends don't live, you know, you don't live with your friends, your best friend, this person that you're saying all these great things to, and you live with yourself and you're with yourself all the time and you treat yourself terribly. And so I tell them that they need to actively, and that's the key here. It's self-love isn't a switch where you're going to turn on, okay, I'm going to be nicer to myself. You know, it's not, obviously it's not that easy and it, it can take a lot of time, but I tell them to actively start to do things to love themselves and to focus on self-care. So one of those things is after they realize how much they beat themselves up, I tell them they have to still actively look for any time they say something negative about themselves. And then they have to say, cancel, cancel and say three kind things about themselves. So if they say, oh, I'm so fat, they'd be like, oh, cancel, cancel. I'm a good mom. I'm a great employee. I'm kind to others. Whatever it is, you have to say three kind things about yourself. You have to cancel out the negative and you bring in the positive. And you have to do that throughout the day. And I also tell them they have to accept every compliment they get, a simple thank uh, you. I, I was just going to, that was my follow-up question or my thought on that is if we're, and I find myself doing this at times, I've seen this over the years, where um, you're kind of getting that negativity within yourself where you're maybe have some negative self-talk going on within yourself. And then you actively refute compliments that mm-hmm. come your way. Mm-hmm. You do. <laughs> it's the most bizarre thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll be like, no, you'll be like, oh, you know, you can tell someone will be like, you look so nice today. And you'll be like, oh, no, 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 no. And this is the thing. You don't realize that then you're throwing that energy on them. So now they don't get to give you a nice compliment. And they also think you have to realize you're kind of women do this a lot. So women will get in a group, one will say they're fat, and then all of them feel like they have to say it like, oh, well, me mm. too. I need to lose weight, too. Because if if everyone's complaining about their body, who wants to be the one woman that's like, I feel great about myself? Because then suddenly you feel like, oh, I look like this, you know, kind of, mm. you know, self, yeah. self, you know, 
I'm sorry, I can't even think of the word that's self loving, right. uh, well, no, enlightened you, you, person. Yeah, there's Mrs. Happy. Again. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's Mrs. Happy. No, you look conceited. I was thinking of the word, like you look, you oh, know, conceited. You, you look conceited, you know, full of yourself. <laughs> and so this is the thing when you, when you are loving who you are, when you're accepting compliments, you're actively giving other per- people permission to see themselves for who they are and love themselves. And a great example of this, I went to Thailand with two of my girlfriends in January. And actually I I call them close girlfriends now, but one of the women I hadn't met, she was a good friend of my good friend. And so it's this woman I hadn't met. We're all hanging out. And it's interesting because even within day one, every time she went to say something unkind about herself, I'd be like, eh, and I just told her, I don't allow people to say unkind things about themselves when they're hanging out with me. I don't, I don't allow women to do that. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't allow women to say unkind, untrue things about themselves. I'm like, you're a beautiful, talented, amazing woman. I hope you start to realize that. And until then, you know, you can only say things if they're positive about yourself. And she was like, uh, okay. And so slowly throughout the trip, it was about 11 days. I, you know, she would say something like I'm fat. And then I'd be like, eh, you're beautiful. You're amazing. And she'd be like, okay, okay, okay. And it was funny by the end of the trip, she said flat out to me, and she'll still say this whenever she talks to people about me. She's like, I have never felt so good about who I am. She's like, I started, I stopped putting myself down as much. And I started complimenting myself a lot. And she's like, and I didn't realize that a lot of that had to do with the women I was around. They would put themselves down. And I felt like I needed to do the same. I needed to focus on what I needed to work on or or I need to lose weight. She's like, and then being around you guys talking about how we're talented and amazing and strong, confident women. She's like, I started to feel like I am that. I'm like, cause you are that. So you have to realize that by embracing who you really are and loving who you really are. You're also giving people that permission to do, do that for themselves. Yeah, that's awesome. And Lynn, so you're obviously very passionate and an expert on women's fitness and health. And so if you're a woman listening to this, you're probably like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. <laughs> and if you're a man listening to this, you're probably learning a ton about women right now. So me and, and Cody are taking notes. <laughs> oh, woman like this. Woman feel like that. Me not know. So <laughs> my, I guess my question is for ignorance like us. Uh, fine, I won't speak for Cody. For me and for a lot of men out there, maybe who are listening to this, you know, when they approach women, they maybe are not as sensitive to self-image mm-hmm. as, a, as a woman. is. like, guys, don't think about it as much as women do. They probably in general don't think about emotions emotions as much or wellness. I mean, I, I maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but it seems like uh, in my experience, a lot of the people that come to you, they are women, even though you're, you're a fitness specialist, a lot more women than men. Mm-hmm. And Cody, you've seen this too, in meditation. I've seen this a lot more women actually come oh, yeah. interested in spiritual growth and unfoldment and, and meditation and well-being. So there's obviously something that pulls the female or the feminine towards growing. And I don't know where all the men are. And I have to say, I've heard in the trenches. so many women... I've heard so many women say, where are all the men? And Lynn, I think you've probably heard that too. Like, mm-hmm. why aren't they growing with us? What if if the female population or you as a women's <laughs> specialist could say something to men like, pay attention to this. Uh, when you're with a woman, be aware of that. What What is it that we're missing in that communication or that we could be more aware of 
that can help women with their self-image or bridge that gap of understanding women and how they work through self-image? I mean, what, what's the disconnect maybe a little bit there that you notice between men and women? I mean, you could take well, that Well, like I was going to say, directions. like, do we have three hours to <laughs> review? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. What's inside of a black hole and this? And what, these are like the, the two, these are the two questions that we will never know the real yeah, answer Yeah, because Cody to. and I ask each other this all the time, like, where are where more men there seems to be so many more women interested in all of these topics and of course there's men but there just tends to be more women so i don't there's probably a 70 30 80 20 split women to men men. and you guys know that women are more emotional we we deal from the space of our emotions and our feelings and men in general these are obviously generalizations men are more analytical and so you know a easy, this isn't really an easy answer, but an easy answer would be, uh, seems simple to me is to tell men to be more connected emotionally and more aware of okay, a woman's let's emotions. Okay, the next thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, this is going nowhere. So, we can tell already. So, so for example, when a woman is... When a woman is complaining about herself from a physical standpoint and her appearance is what you're talking about. Like, what can mm-hmm. men do? The last thing that you really need or what a woman wants is for you to come at it from an analytical perspective and be like, well, what you can do is you could do 50 more push-ups a day. I can take away your chocolate you've been eating. You don't need dessert tonight. Like they're thinking they're fixing a problem. Like a woman's like, I haven't been feeling very good about myself and I feel like I need to lose 10 pounds. And a man's like, you know what you can do? I can buy you a treadmill. And I can make it so none of the chocolates in the house. Run, girl, run. Yeah. And so, (laughs) run. You know, this is the thing that's interesting. That could be from a completely wonderful, loving, amazing man who in his mind, he's thinking from an analytical perspective, he's solving a problem. You don't feel good about yourself. You just told me you needed to lose 10 pounds. And so I'm going to help you do that. Instead of, of course... What he might even be thinking is, oh, I don't think you need to lose 10 pounds. You look great. But you came at me with a problem. I'm going to give you a solution. If I could have every man work from the perspective of a woman and realize when women are complaining about themselves, they're more so releasing emotion and they need to be met and validated and not validated like, yeah, you're really overweight. We're going to work on that. More so connecting and being like, you know, a great response could be, you know, I think you're a beautiful, amazing woman. And I think you are so much more than your physical anyway. Can I just tell you, I mean, you're beautiful, but one of the things I love about you and then insert something that has nothing to do with her physical appearance. Because again, number one shame trigger is her appearance. And in order for a woman to really grow and find herself, her real essence, she needs to have a little bit more focus and have others maybe even help her get to that where her focus isn't only on how she looks. You know, maybe you can tell her, you know what, I love you're an amazing, you know, maybe she's a mom, you're amazing mom, you know, you're an amazing employee. You're so smart. You know, I love that you're, you know, you're so interesting. You have such a great viewpoint of this or that or whatever it is, but something that's not physical. Like if you could go from that approach and just say, you know, you're an amazing, beautiful, confident woman and you have all these other characteristics, I, I'm sad that you're putting yourself down. You know, that's a much better approach and men would do so much better if they would approach it that way instead of the analytical space of, okay, how do I fix this? Mm. So that would be my advice to a man, like especially one that's married. Like if your wife says, I don't feel good about myself, don't say, I'll buy you a treadmill. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That will be the quote from the podcast. I just just saved saved marriages across the world at one scene. (laughs) 
I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but just it happened. <laughs> and <laughs> that just happened. Yeah. <laughs> Mic drop. This episode's done. I'm just <laughs> well, since me and Cody didn't understand anything you said, yeah, we're kind of done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but all the women are nodding their heads out there, saying, "You go, lad." <laughs> women are like, "Duh! How could Duh. they not know this?" And yeah, I, I just wanted to say too, Lynn is you know. Cody and I, we spend most of our time teaching spirituality. So we're, it's a very mental, spiritual space, etheric space. We don't deal so much with the physical body. And I've seen this happen with so many students and with me, definitely in my years of training in meditation, which was I would focus almost solely on what's going on, the, on on the inside and then nothing when it came to the physical body. So much so that I was sitting in a class once and I was just falling asleep over and over and I couldn't even meditate. And the teachers yelled at me and she said, David, get up, go eat that piece of chicken over there on the counter and then sit back down. And I hadn't eaten meat in like five years. And I just did it. I got up, I ate that chicken, I sat down and I was meditating and I was awake and I was <laughs> conscious. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And what had happened was I thought the only thing that was important was my enlightenment and, you know, my spiritual growth. And I totally started just ignoring the body. And I hit this point where I couldn't grow spiritually anymore because my body was holding me back because I wasn't taking care of it. And then I realized, wow, these two things come together. And a lot of people that do meditation who are kind of like a little too into it sometimes, that happens to them. I don't know, Cody, if that's ever happened to you, uh, but it definitely happened a lot to me. And so I was so excited, Lynn, to have you on the show because you are an expert of the body and taking care of the body. And so I want to kind of transition a little bit to that spirit part, that energetic part too, and kind of bring those two together. And me and you were talking a little bit about this before the show and almost debating a little bit or just kind of working through, okay, is it the physical, is it the mental well-being and spiritual well-being or lack of well-being that makes the body uh, sick? Or is it the body being sick that triggers something in the mental space or spiritual space? And how important is it to have those two in balance? Because we obviously hear that all the time now, right? It's like, mind, body, spirit, you need all three, or mind and body, you need those two together. What does that mean to you? And and then what do you do for your spiritual side of it? What do you do for your inner energetic work and emotional work? How does that all, how do, yeah, how do you approach that side of it? Man, I feel like you loaded me with like five questions in one. Totally. But yeah, yeah, you're trying to make it complex. You know, I'm a woman. I multitask. Okay, I got Answer this. All five. I got this. So um, this is this is the old, a big ultimate question. And it's funny, like the way you phrased it, like what's you know, how does it happen? Is it the mental and emotional affects the physical is it the physical, the first mental emotion? That's like, is it that, you know, what came first, the egg or the chicken? You know, it's like that age old question, like, well, what 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 is more important? Or what was first? And I don't think there's a real answer. I you know, you can read studies. I, I've read even interesting studies about, I don't know if you've seen that one about water molecules where they talk to water molecules negatively. And then you look uh, under and you see yeah. the the structure of it is all askew and it's just harsh and uh, and then you talk to water molecules and you say positive things and it's this beautiful snowflake, you know? And so it kind of shows like science has reiterated and kind of proven the power of positivity. So in a way I feel like 
a start to being, you know, the the synergy between mind, body, spirit does start actually a lot with the emotional, mental. But I think it's all in one. Like you said, you can be you know, spiritually enlightened and be ignoring your body and you're going to be unhappy or unhealthy. It all works together. And there is this, I guess, happy balance of the three. And that's going to be different for everybody. And, you know, there's no perfect formula to it. I think that you just have to focus on self-love and self-care and nourishing each of those mind, body, spirit. And it's going to be look a little bit different for everybody. Um, but I know for me, um, part of that does come from my morning routine. And when you asked about how I connect spiritually, I mean, David knows I do his program. I, I'm a member of groundedmind.com and I, I meditation is one of those things that when I started doing meditation about two years ago, it was life changing and people don't, I'll be honest. I thought it was kind of woo woo at first. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to hey. sit in a room. I know I'm going to sit in a room. I'm going to be like, oh, I'm like, that is so, and the truth is, is I actually did try out several. I tried out headspace. I'm like, this is boring. And I, I felt very lost. I'm, as you guys know, I'm a big talk. Everyone knows I talk too much. I talk a lot. I love to talk. <laughs> um, and so I'm like going a million miles a minute. I'm the person with that massive to-do list where I do like 20 things in a day. I'm a woman. I multitask. I'm a mom. I'm a business owner. And so I can slowing down to do a meditation. I'm like, how do I do this? And the ones that were not guided, I couldn't. I would sit for two minutes in the silence, supposing to like have to hum or just sit there. And I, I, it was like ADD. I'd have to get up. So you do have to find what works for you. You know, I tried a bunch on YouTube. I tried Headspace. For me, I realized guided meditations, which are the ones on like groundedmind.com. Those are all guided meditations were, gave me tools that I can actually use in my life. And they made a huge difference. For example, tools that helped me ground and center, tools that helped me clear out the space in my head, tools that helped me remove other people's energy out of my space. You guys, you catch energy, you know, people's mood, like you catch a cold and you, women know this, women are so intuitive. You know, you go into a room and you'll be like, Ugh, icky, you know, it's like the energy in the room and can, you know, being able to center myself, and really connect with me, connect with my essence, with my soul, you can call it whatever you want, made a huge impact in my overall life, in all areas of my life. It made me a better mother. It made me a better friend. It made me driven more in my business because I knew what I wanted to do. Um, and I knew what my, what my truth was. And I was living my truth. And I felt confident in who I was. So I feel like as far as spirituality, um, meditation was the biggest key component in changing my life. Another big thing that really helped me was reading really good books. Uh, they inspired me, you know, things like Brene Brown's work, Daring Greatly and Rising Strong, um, reading Byron Katie's book, Loving What Is. Those were all little things that really helped me to incorporate things in my life that really helped to heal and grow spiritually. And those really helped. Hmm. Thank you. Beautiful. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Yeah. So med meditation, um, you know, and its most basic component is turning our attention inward and listening to what's going on inward. And we take it a little bit further to something like connecting with that inner energy and starting to direct it, uh, getting grounded and, and centered. And all of that kind of leads to finding your inner space your inner connectedness to be able to go out into the world and greet the world and create in the world. 
um, and handle, uh, you know, kind of what life throws at you. And I know one of the things that you uh, do a lot is you're out in the social media world and you, so you have a lot of attention and a lot of energy on you in, in many ways. How has meditation helped with that? Or do you have other ways of managing and balancing your own mental and personal space, um, and your time and maintaining your own health? I mean, one of the things that I have found difficult over the years as a teacher is when we really get in and start teaching all the time and giving you know, all of these, uh, this guidance and answers and direction, how do we maintain our own balance and health is always Mm -hmm. kind of a question and issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes that, that teaching may just be happening as a mother, you know, with children or running a family. And sometimes it's a little bigger, it's out in that bigger social circle. Um, but what are the the go-to things for you when you feel a little overwhelmed by what you're creating or experiencing from the world? That is a really good question. <laughs> yeah, and I'm always so impressed with Lynn because she has tens of thousands of followers on all these different right. social media platforms. Like, how do you handle hundreds that? <laughs> of comments every day and questions and and you just it seems like you manage it so seamlessly and I would be pulling my hair out if I had any and just, you know, (laughs) even as a meditation teacher, I don't know if I can handle all that attention and all of that information and communication. How do you, yeah. How how do you deal with all that? What do you do with all that? Oh man. Well, I'll first say that I didn't always handle it this well. And I think with everything, there's a learning curve and you, you grow in time and you find what works and what doesn't. And some of the things that really helped me, one was structure. I had to get to a point where I realized that I can't be on social media all day and that it wasn't productive, you know, because if I got on every time I got a comment, I would really be on every day, all day. So I started allocating certain times of the day that I would go onto the social media channels that I manage and I would respond back to what I could. Um, Another thing that helped me was realizing I can't get back to everyone all the time and being okay with that and realizing that people understand that, you know, people understand that you're, you know, this isn't your life. Your life isn't being on social media responding. I'd try to respond to the most pertinent questions. Um, I wouldn't respond to every comment. Sometimes comments are just like, I love this. This was great. And if I have the time during that allocated period to respond and say, thank you so much, I will. And if I don't, I don't, I don't respond back to every single comment. And how long is that allocated time every day? Um, so it, it varies. It, you know, it, it might depend on if I'm doing something like right now, I'm, I'm hosting a 60 day health challenge. Um, so I'm on it a lot more because I'm trying to respond back to more individuals because it's a specific 60 day period. Um, but in general, it would be say per se an hour in the morning and an hour in the later afternoon. And if necessary, maybe, you know, 20, 30 minutes later in the evening when my kids are asleep, but it's a specific allocated time. And not that I don't still see sometimes a notification might pop or something might pop up on my phone, but I don't get on to respond to it normally until that allocated time. And that's really important. But another big component as far as keeping space, that personal and mental capacity space was I had to learn over time that who I am on social media or what people 
perceive me as isn't me. And I, I want to clarify, it's not that I'm fake on social media. It's just people are only seeing a, such a small component of me, especially because for the most part on, for example, Instagram or Facebook, they're seeing health and wellness posts. Well, health and wellness is just such a small component about who Lynn is, who I am, right? So um, they don't get to see all of me. And so you have to realize sometimes, for example, a lot of people, the reason they struggle with social media or having a lot of following is you get negative comments. And that can consume you because your story you tell yourself is that it's true. Whatever comment they gave, maybe they said you're, you know, for example, with, with you guys doing meditation, maybe someone listens to your meditation and says that meditation sucked, you know, and in your head you're thinking what? And you might get defensive and then you might think maybe it did or what could I do better? And you have to realize these, you know, people coming on social media, you can't please everybody. And what they see is what they want to see. And ultimately what anyone sees, mm -hmm. whether it's good or bad, is a reflection of themselves. So I had to separate that. I get a lot of amazing comments. I get women that come on all the time that say, I love you. I feel like you're my best friend. You're the most amazing person I've ever known. And I have to also separate myself from that and realizing that that isn't necessarily who I mean I am a great person but their comment is a reflection of them a great you know they're just positive happy people it's a reflection of them and not me they're resonating with what I'm saying because it resonates with them um so I had to separate that you know because in the beginning I would get I remember one time I got this comment it was something about like how I looked like a crypt keeper I looked like a scary ugly crypt keeper it was like the meanest con <laughs> I know you guys That's are laughing horrible. I know it's terrible <laughs> And like, well, I'm only laughing because if you've ever seen a picture of Lynn, uh, she's quite gorgeous. And so I, I don't think anything can be further from the truth. So hey, most crypt keepers yeah. are hot, you know, I was just like, I remember reading this comment and this was years ago. This was like about four years ago. But I remember in that moment, this is before I could disassociate myself from social media. I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm an ugly grip keeper. You know, like it affected me. It affected me so much. It kept me up that night. The next day I felt ugly again. Like, then, I, it, you know, again, it evolved. I had to realize, oh, my gosh, you guys, what somebody thinks of you on social media isn't who you are, whether it's good or bad. You have to realize that most comments that anyone, anytime anyone approaches you in real life or on social media, it's a mirror of themselves. And so if you really want space, if you, especially if you have a business or you're big on social media, or even if not, when you're getting on Facebook every day or Instagram, what people are commenting back to you or say about that picture you put up of your child or your spouse or your relationship, whatever it is, you know, you, you have, you can't take things so personally. And so I don't. I don't take things personally. I give myself allocated times to respond. And I also just do the best I can. And I'm fine with that. Some days I don't respond at all. Some days I respond back to every single person. I've really given myself enough leniency and self-love to realize I'm always doing the best I can. And that's good that's, enough. That's so, great. Yeah. yeah and, and what you're really describing is you've set very clear boundaries mm -hmm. with yourself relative to social media. And, and of course, that is part of what we learn to do when we turn inward and start to meditate and uh, connect with our own energy and get grounded and get centered. And part of that is recognizing um, our own sensitivity to energy so that we can set those boundaries for ourselves so that we can create our own inner space and arrive within kind of awakening to that intuition and being able to create and follow our own intuitive vision. So that's, that's great to see that we're having to learn 
how to ha- set those kinds of boundaries in this broader world of the social media, mm. where those of us that are sensitive to energy, that's been part of the struggle. I know David was just talking a minute about losing himself to meditation and forgetting about the body. Um, and that's a very um, common thing that can happen in some spiritual pursuits that have to do with uh, awakening and, and that kind of thing. And the other thing that can happen a lot is we many of us are very sensitive to energy and in a way we kind of have to hide from the world somewhat to protect ourselves mm-hmm. and learning how to set clear energetic boundaries um, and and i think that what you just said is a real great approach is realizing one that that energy that's coming our way whether it's a comment in this case or a look from someone is really more of a reflection of where they are mm-hmm. uh, than where we them. are <laughs> right exactly yeah. <laughs> i know and so so many of us are so sensitive to energy that uh, we can feel an energy from a person and uh, very easily take that in and take that to heart and that's happened to me with, with to me with text messages like two people can yeah. send the same exact text message with the same words but one of them just hits you right in the gut you know and the other can be nice and gentle and i've i've experienced that like oh I, I can just tell behind these words there's some malice or there's different some energy yeah or something like that like wow that's yeah. really tell. but again that's mostly a reflection of where that other person is yeah you know? and when you realize that and one of my favorite tools i learned actually was setting boundaries because that was something i struggled with a lot especially even when i said learn to set boundaries in a, in a more broad sense in social media because it's a little bit easier because i'm like i don't even know these people or mostly know these people it's harder in a personal level but you need to set those even in your everyday life with your family with your friends um and so that was one of my favorite tools i learned um but like you said you know it's it can be tough to push it, you know, and you feel that when you're sensitive and you mm-hmm. feel feel that energetically, but it is important to know that it's more of a reflection of them than it is of you. And that tool alone created so much positivity in my life because I do have that common thing running through my head of everyone's doing the best that they can. This is a re- reflection of them. So for example, I've had people, you know, in everyday life, maybe a server, for example, that's been really rude. And instead of getting Instead of it ruining my day or getting all up on it or being unkind back, I just think to myself, I actually have a lot of compassion now. And I said, think, oh, they must be having a really hard day. You know, I don't think it's me. I think yeah. they're, they must be having a really hard day. And I think when you can do that, you know, whether it's a family member or a friend or a coworker, or colleague, like, you know, watch your world change as you stop creating stories behind how other people's energy and emotions are and instead just focus on you, you know? Yeah, that's such an amazing thing. or It's such a great thing to see that when you do do that, you just mentioned the word compassion. That's what really arises when you're not caught up in trying to defend yourself because you have a story that someone's attacking you. Mm -hmm. And you really realize that they're showing you where they are. And in a lot of cases, they're just having a bad day. And, and I have a theory that, and of course, this isn't always the case, but and I've had this experience with some of my students, sometimes really poor boundaries can actually lead to a lack of physical well-being and even weight gain. So mm-hmm. for example, I had a student and I was working with her and she was really, really overweight and she was not happy. And I asked her, what, what do you do for a profession? And she goes, oh, I'm a healer. I said, oh, what do you mean by that? She goes, well, I, I do like 
Reiki with people and I help them work through their emotions uh, intuitively. And basically, I spend my days helping other people heal. And what I noticed about her just from working with her was that she had no boundaries. It was like, if you are in pain, now I'm in pain. And she was an empath. So she would almost like a sponge take on all of her clients' stuff. And then she would take it home with them. It would be like a psychologist taking home every mental issue that every uh, client they saw had. And all of a sudden, and you've heard where it's like a therapist needs a therapist who needs a therapist, you know, because they absorb (laughs) everything from each other. And I realized, wow, this may be just my theory, but part of that weight problem and part of her not feeling well was she was taking on everybody else's stuff. And she even admitted that. She said, you know, I can heal anybody. I can help anybody work through anything. But when it comes to myself, I am so, so stuck. Mm -hmm. And she had given so much and her boundaries were so poor that she had dug herself such a big hole. And it was such a drastic example for me of, wow, boundaries are so important. Yes, if we can have compassion, but if we go down into just sympathy and absorb it, then we become it and we we kind of start to uh, drown in that quicksand with the person we're trying to help. Mm. And Lynn, I'm sure you've probably had this experience a ton. There's so many women mm. coming at you with their issues every mm-hmm. day. I've read it on your page on social media, just like thousands of them. Um, you must have, mm-hmm. have become an expert in boundaries when it comes to that stuff. How do you not absorb that for yourself? Or do you notice that you do sometimes? And what do you do to get out of it? Yeah, I do. And how much chocolate do you eat to get out of it? <laughs> I eat an entire <laughs> container and I feel good about it. No, I I definitely think, again, boundaries have been the probably the number one tool that has helped improve my life. And I, I, even aside from me, I just want to say this is the common problem that I see with women that come to me because they are so focused on everyone else because women are just in general, I'm going to throw it out there, I think more emotional, compassionate beings than they struggle with that more than men. They're more... Mm-hmm. Um, sympathetic and empathetic, and they put everyone's needs first. And they think that that's for the greater good because they're helping everyone, right? Their friend comes to them, they drop everything, they focus on their problem, you know, their spouse, their kids, whatever it is. It's everyone else first and them last. And it's really hard to rewire, but when I can help women rewire and and let them know when you take care of yourself first, you have to think of it like a well, okay? So Every time you're doing something for yourself, those positive affirmations, you're doing your meditations, you're setting up boundaries, you know, setting up boundaries isn't saying no. Okay. Everyone thinks that when you set, set up boundaries of what, what do women think? Well, I'm just, I don't want to be that no person. I'm saying no, you're not saying no. You're saying yes to all the more important things you need. Okay. So you have to remember that. If we think of boundaries as negative, start thinking of them as positive. And as you set boundaries, now you're allocating your time, your effort, your energy into what's more, the most important. It's a good thing. Boundaries are good. So rewire your brain a little bit to that. But I remind women that you're filling up your well. You're doing all these things for yourself and you're thinking by doing those things, you're taking away from everyone. But really, if your well's empty and people come to you with these needs, it's, you know, it's like, I need water, mom. Well, there's nothing in the well, honey. And that's when like the moms, you know, we're snappy, we're upset, we're not, you know, we have no energy left. So I I remind women that self-love, self-care, my friend Natalie has a good phrase she used, but she'll say, you know, when you you focus on self-love and self-care, you're giving everyone what's best of you, not what's left of you. And so a lot of that does come. I have to help women when they're in that mode, absorbing everything and being like, okay, you 
have a struggle with boundaries because you think of it as negative and you put yourself last. And let me show you why, why rewiring your brain and your habits to put yourself first and do self-love and having these healthy boundaries is really going to improve everything in your life. And it's hard for them to think of that at first. They're like, oh, I can't do it. I'm like, just try it for a week, allocating this time for you, setting these boundaries for you. And every time I've never had a woman come back to me and say, that it made it worse. If anything, they're like, it's so crazy. I still get the stuff done. I really need to. I'm actually a better mom. I'm a better spouse. I've been doing better at work. I'm feeling healthier. I have more energy. You know, giving yourself those boundaries and self-love really will will help you in so many ways in your life. It's, it's amazing. It's like when the plane is going down, you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you put it on someone else, <laughs> which yeah. reminds me of the trippiest story. And I actually had this written down, and we talked about this a bit, Lynn, earlier before the show. I want to ask you a really trippy question. But I once had a dream about a plane that was almost crashing. It didn't, but I woke up. And at the time, Cody, me and you weren't really close friends yet, and maybe we'd exchange a text message once oh, every few right. months. And I right. just decided intuitively, I need to text Cody and be like, man, I just had this crazy dream. What's up? And uh, Cody, what had happened to you that, ex- that exact morning? Um, I was flying out to, um, where was I flying? I think to LA and the plane had just taken off. And then um, we were, we were above, let's see, I was flying out of the Springs. So we were probably at 20, 25,000 feet and the, the um, cabin just depressurized all of a sudden mm-hmm. and all of the oxygen masks fell down. Oh and of gosh. course the, uh, the way you're supposed to apply the oxygen, oxygen masks is a very good uh, kind of, uh, metaphor for how we should work with our energy in life, yeah. which is you always put your own oxygen mask on first and then you help others, right? Yeah, because if you don't and then you're suddenly passed and you out, pass out, how are you going to help anybody? Right. <laughs> and Lynn, you've shared this with me before that the more you meditate, the more you get into a balance of physical well-being and mental well-being and energetic well-being, the more your kind of intuition turns on. Yes. Have you ever had that kind of experience, whether it was like with a dream that came true or just something uh, intuitively you just felt and then it just happened or something along those lines? Well, I, I, you know, I think everybody has those experiences where they, you know, maybe intuitively know something's going to happen or they feel like a need to do something. I have a lot of really good little ones. I actually have had dreams come true before. I also have had moments, I'll name just like a couple little ones that I think are interesting that now I look into more before I'd be like, that's kind of trippy or weird. And now I realize how connected things are and energetically how more aware and conscious we are of things than I, than I was before. Um, like I remember one time I'm, I was driving to meet a girlfriend at a restaurant and I'm like five minutes away and it pops up in my head, this like literally almost like a vision, this encounter of meeting an ex-boyfriend of mine who I haven't seen, hadn't seen in years. And it just, I was like, oh, wouldn't that be awkward if I ran into so-and-so at this restaurant? And like, I had this awkward encounter in my brain and then I just let it go. I was like, that's weird. I haven't thought of him in years. Get to the restaurant, see my girlfriend. We go to sit down and I hear Lynn and I turn around and it's 
literally this person, the same person, the same ex-boyfriend. And we we look at each other and it was, it was this horribly awkward. Actually, he Facebook messaged me later. He's like, I'm so sorry. That was so awkward. Like I I acted awkward. I was just so surprised to see you. And I wanted to be like, I acted awkward because I knew that was going to happen and it tripped me out. But I couldn't say that because I felt weird. So instead I was like, yeah, it was awkward for me too. So I was just random us running into each other. But also one time I was climbing a mountain. Um, I was climbing a table rock. Anybody that knows that, I think it's, it's in the, in the, near the Tetons and I'm walking up and I kind of casually, you casually pass people as you're walking up the mountain and a bunch of different people. And I'm walking up, we pass people, you just say, hi, you're friendly or whatnot. I get to the top, the peak, it's right before you actually climb the table, which is the steepest, most difficult part, but you're there, you're at the very top. And this is a long hike. It's like by the time you do it and get back down, maybe for some people, six, seven hours. And I'm at the bottom. And as I'm approaching, I see the, a couple that I had passed, a husband and a wife. And as I'm approaching, intuitively, something says to me, grab her pack and get her up there. And it was a little uncomfortable. I'm like, I don't know this woman. I'm not going to force her to, you know, like in my mind, I'm thinking I'm not going to force her. But intuitively, energetically, I feel this grab this woman's pack and get her up this mountain. And I'm like, okay. So my instincts kind of take over. I walk over to her. I don't even really know her name. We just kind of said hi on the mountain walking by each other. I was just like, you have to get to the top. And she had been, I guess, it looked like she was kind of debating or arguing with her husband because she's like, I'm not going. She's like, no, I'm not going up. I grab her pack. I look at her. I'm like, we're going up. And I just start walking. And she starts, okay, you know, walking with me. It was difficult, of course, but we get to the top, you know, and then I just give her her pack back and smile. I go sit in the corner and eat my snack. And the husband walks over and he's like, hey, can I get your information? And do you mind will you take a picture with us? And I was like, yeah, I, sh- I guess. Sure. So I take a picture. Lo and behold, I get an email from him and he asks for my dress. He wants to send me a gift and he sends me the picture and he just, he says, you know, we'd gotten to this point. My wife refused to go up there. I know if you hadn't come along, she won it and she has cancer and she's dying. Mm. And this is going to be the last time that we hiked this mountain. Mm. And I just want you to know that it was, must've been guided that you came by, that you grabbed her pack and that you got her up there. It meant so much to me. It meant so much to her. I told my kids about the story of this random woman that came by and, and helped her up the mountain. And it just meant so much to me. And it kind of reminded me we're all so much more connected than we realized. And we, you know, energetically things come our way or we might intuitively need to call somebody or do a random act of kindness or meet a stranger and know something. And we are just more, if you can become aware and listen to that, and especially if you start to listen to it, it's amazing the things that you'll pick up on an energetic level. Hmm. Oh, those, those are a couple That's of great. amazing stories. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. Wow. Yeah, Cody is still healing from that plane that one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had to turn around and go back. It was a, a I don't know, kind of a white knuckle uh, half hour getting back to land. <laughs> yeah, and Lynn, I, I doubt that you've ever shared those stories on your podcast before. No. Yeah. No. So it's pretty cool that you yeah. shared them. A little bit more freedom on our podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could talk you about know, things I we, never talk about on my podcast. Some, yeah. Some you know, it, it is amazing how many stories people actually have. Oh, like God, yeah. everybody's had something happen that goes a little bit beyond what we can explain. And yet there's still a social kind of stigma 
on opening up about uh, that kind of experience. It's, There's not on it's the very show, interesting. But yeah. Yeah. No, no, not here. But in general, I mean, yeah, I'm sure a lot of, I'm sure some of my followers will be listening to this because I'm going to share it on my on my sites, and they'll be like, "Wow, that's an interesting question." But I feel like women, you know, are are a little bit more open to that that being intuitive. A lot of women will be like, "I thought of calling this friend, and I called, and she said she really needed somebody." Like that, those things happen all the time, and I do yeah. love that on your guys' show, you can be more open about that. Yeah, and and incorporate that intuitive part of ourselves with the physical well-being part of ourselves with the emotional well-being part of ourselves and the mental part and have them all work together mm-hmm. and it's like when your body is humming and you're taking care of yourself and you feel good on all those different levels then your your intuition has space to really function in a healthy way but mm-hmm. if your body is broken in a certain way or you're not happy then that intuitive space is not really going to be turned on to its optimal level. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the the groundwork, the framework for being in an intuitive space and having a really strong meditative practice is taking care of the physical body. And I know for me, I went about it very much in the opposite direction. I, like I mentioned, I didn't care about my physical. You did. I totally <laughs> went in the other direction. Oh, wow. Yeah. I lived in India for a while and I got so skinny when I came back home, my parents, they, their jaws just dropped. They thought I was like <laughs> literally starving. They, Sick, were, yeah. they were just shoving <laughs> bread into my mouth. <laughs> Davey, Davey, are you okay? And see, I, I didn't go that route, David. So that's why I didn't comment when you asked if I had ever done that. Because in the the awakening that I had was more in the awareness of um, energetics and kind of psychic work. Uh, but it was kind of through the idea of integration with the body that we're here uh, not to get away from the world and have some spiritual enlightened experience but that we're actually a spirit that's trying to have a human experience and how do you become that full authentic human being how do you find that part of yourself and bring it to the world and uh, so there's this connectedness in the the style of meditation that I started with that had to do with coming into the body Mm. and listening to your body and turning on to the intuition of your body um, and using meditation then to kind of create the vision, the intuitive vision for yourself in the world and then go out into the world and and make it happen, live a life. Yeah, and meditation is such an important tool now because I think so many people can't stop thinking and we live in such a mental culture and our minds are just racing nonstop. Now, if we all grew up in a tribe, you know, in Aboriginal Australia or in Africa or in the Amazon and we barely spoke, then we might not need to sit and meditate so much. But we all live in the West and our minds just go nuts and we're on social media and on computers and we communicate and we send a thousand texts a day. And so I can't even imagine not meditating at this point and taking time to turn inward and shut down all of that noise and let go of all of that energy and kind of restart my engines sometimes. And I know, mm-hmm. Lynn, you mm-hmm. do it. And I, I barely meet a person today that's not interested in meditation, even if they don't do it yet. When you say it, they go, oh, that's interesting. Wow. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? How yeah. do you teach that? I want to learn. And so many people don't have any direction. And I think where we are now with it, it's very much like the Wild West. There's like tons of apps coming out and a million different teachers, but nobody really has any guidance. And I can't tell you how many times I've had this question. And Lynn, you probably had it more than me of where do I go to meditate? How do I learn? How do I know if it works for me? 
And there's so many different styles. And I always say to people, you know, try a bunch of different things and see what works for you and what doesn't just like anything else, right? Like any Mm, diet land or physical exercise and be intuitive about it and just see what works. If you end up living in an ashram, shaving your head in the Himalayas (laughs) and that's working for you. uh, Great. I did that. That was cool for a while. Uh, and then maybe for a while, for a while until you're starting. And then, or maybe you're just sitting at your office. You know, I had a point in my life where I was working at Expedia, sitting in an office, meditating there, and everything in between. So, yeah, know. I think the key thing that you said there, and that's what I tell clients a lot, especially because sometimes I, they'll hear my approach of what I'm thinking or what I want them to do about the self-care, the love, the affirmations, meditation. And they'll just be like, yeah, well, I don't really want to try that. And I'll just <laughs> say to them, okay, you've tried every, you've been focusing on the outside, everything out, out, out. And you've tried everything. You've told me you've tried everything. You've told me you've tried all these shots and pills and diets and doodads and, and it hasn't worked. So why don't we try going on the inside and focusing on a different approach and just see what happens in 30 days? You know, and it's funny, there's often a a little bit of resistance to that, you know, going on the inside and it can be scary. There's a lot of emotion and, and things that we're processing when we turn inward, but really, I, and I will say it time and time again, true change only happens from the inside out. So why do, you know, 80 plus percent of diets fail because it's all on the outside? You know, focus on the inside out and then watch your world shift. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And meditation is the one of the big keys to that or doorways into that mm-hmm. inner world. And, yeah. and not, you know, yeah. not everyone is spiritual. Like I happen to really like that aspect of things. I studied philosophy, I'm very cosmic in my, in my kind of approach. <laughs> and it's just, it's just my temperament and my style. And so that's the direction I go. Other people, they're just not like that. They just want the very basic, how do I turn my mind off? How do I calm down? And that works for them. And, you know, go with that. So you just got to find what works for you. Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I like you, David, I was more interested in or drawn to the spiritual aspect of things and kind of a seeker, I guess, of, of answers uh, in the metaphysical realm. And, of course, meditation uh, fits right in with that. But I've over the years, I've taught so many people that, um, are, you know, really aren't there for that reason, right? They That's just want to mm-hmm. do something different. They want to get a handle on XYZ that's going on in them or shut their mind off, like you say, or, um, you know, become more effective in what they're trying to create in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, where my draw was more to kind of experiencing an awakening to an understanding what's going on uh, beyond what we see in the world, mm-hmm. you know, in that, in that and, energy world. One of my favorite people in history is Albert Einstein. And he was this amazing person because he crossed so many different boundaries. And, you know, instead of just being a scientist, he was almost like a philosopher, a scientist, a spiritual teacher. He, he had, he would say that, the most amazing emotion that a human being could have is awe and curiosity for the mystery. Mm. And when my experience and what I teach, when you go inwards and you close your eyes, there is this incredible mystery of who we are that's complicated and almost something you can never quite figure out, but you're always experiencing and that's always unfolding. And we maybe we just call that life. But the more you engage it directly from the inside out, the more 
I think you find a sense of guidance and purpose in your life rather than just kind of throwing darts, you know, into the darkness going, what direction should I take my life? I find that most people, if they're totally even not spiritual at all, they close their eyes, they sit and meditate, they ask themselves a question and reflect, you know, what direction do I want to go? Some kind of answer starts to appear intuitively and, and that gives them a sense of grounding and purpose. And it works if you're willing to put the effort in just like anything. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. my, me on my soapbox. But mm. <laughs> no, yeah. that, well, that, no, you know, no. one of my favorite quotes, you, just talking about the inside is um, that what lies behind us and what lies before us are but tiny matters compared to what lies within us mm-hmm. from Emerson. And, you know, I think when you mentioned that, when we turn inward and we do encounter that part of ourselves, it, to me, it is awe inspiring. And that has always been the draw of meditation. So how do we get people through that little bit of resistance or out of that uh, just kind of programmed thing of seeking something out there to show them that way to turn inward and connect? whether it's for spiritual purpose or just to kind of come to know ourselves better. I don't know. How do you bridge that, Lynn? Do you bring meditation into, so beyond like um, gratitude, which is a very powerful tool. Mm -hmm. I've been working with that for years. But beyond that, do you bridge with people um, meditation? Do you kind of feel them out? Is it a part of your overall program? I I do always recommend meditation. Actually, it's interesting. So on one of my online subscription models, I uh, called Dollar Workout Club and we do we stream online videos for workout videos, which is great. And we have the recipe videos again, which is great. But the added element, which we wanted the three trainers and I, which we wanted to add to be a little bit different in industries, we felt like we needed another component, another video each day. And it's always a little bit different, but it it educates people more on, you know, health and wellness tips or things that we do, or maybe different topics that we think are essential in really keeping people going. Because again, only focusing on diet and exercise, we know we'll, we'll lie flat, people will quit. So we felt like this added element would really keep people sustained. And one of the topics that I've done at least three different videos on is meditation and encouraging people to meditate and to go inward and sharing with them my story and sharing with them the benefits and sharing with them even I always revert back to like scientific evidence because I know people think it's so woo 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 but there's so many reports and studies now that show all the benefits of meditation and so many more people are doing it but I think the key thing that you guys said is like what can we do to bridge that gap or how can we make people more aware and it's just like with health and wellness people will be like well how do we motivate people to change? How do we do this? You know, it's like, we can't do the work for people. All we can do is be an example and educate, which is what you guys are doing, which is what I'm doing. You know, we share our knowledge, we share our experience, we get we give them the tools, we give them the options. And we remind them because a lot of times they hit this rock bottom of I've tried everything else, we remind them, then what's the harm in trying this? Mm. You know, if what you've been doing isn't working, do something different. And here's here's something you can do that's worked for me. Well, Lynn is trying to say, shut up and meditate. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to say, but in a nice way. See, if I was a dude, I would say, shut up and meditate because that's what a dude would say because he'd be like, this is the problem, this is the solution. But since I'm a woman, I'll be like, you know what, because I care about you, I want you to know how much it's improved my life and wellness and reduced my stress and anxiety and made me find my self-confidence in meditation. And I want you to try that because I care about you. So that's the female way of saying. And and what better way to foster a self-care 
uh, mindset than to turn inward and just make that simple connection of just being still for a moment and noticing your breath and just kind of saying, acknowledging yourself, Mm -hmm. saying hello to that inner self. And, and from there, setting that tone of Mm self-care, which I think is so important and so lacking in our culture. Yes. Yes. Wow. Wow. And uh, I do want to just mention Lynn does some incredible stuff. If you want to check her out, if you haven't yet, twofitathome.com is an awesome website for mothers. Right? Yeah. It focuses on oh, cool. of moms. Yeah. yeah. So my, yeah, my, two, my two different programs, the, the number two fitathome.com is a subscription site where people can either do just recipes or meal plans or workouts or all of the above. And I actually do a variety on there. I do, I do gear it towards women. Um, stay at home moms are all at home workouts and I do, it's a variety. I have all sorts of meal plans on there. People that are, you know, it's dairy. I have ones that are dairy free or gluten free. I have ones for fat loss. I have carb cycling. I actually have ones for even building muscle. So just trying to appeal to the masses of, of, stay-at-home moms or whatever your goal is. And then I also have dollarworkoutclub.com, which is an online streaming video um, that you can do also from home if you'd like. Um, That's more generic for both men and women. And we have uh, recipe videos and like I said, motivation and other fitness topics that are on there as well. Yeah. Awesome. Now I've been a stay-at-home dad for 13 (laughs) years, so I feel a little underserved here, but with (laughs) with your dollarworkoutclub.com is, is definitely more for both men and women. Okay. Um, I mean, I'll be honest though. It's funny. I do have a couple of men that follow my two fit at home program and even have sent me amazing progress photos. And then they use the hat. If anybody does social media, you understand hashtags. They use the hashtag dude that follows Lynn. Cool. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So those are for, I guess, the stay-at-home dads are like, hey, don't discriminate. But Right. We're I lo- underserved. I love you too. I, is- <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and you can also follow Lynn on Instagram every day. She's got some hilarious memes that come I, out. I, I do like post. Oh, I do great. post funny. Yeah, My goal Facebook. is to make you laugh and enjoy life more. Yeah. So. so definitely Sweet. check her out. There's, you've got so much cool stuff out there. I've learned a ton from looking at your looking at your work. So oh. thank you. And thanks for being on our show. Wow. I've learned oh my a lot about women and <laughs> you're an expert and nutrition. now. Yeah. Wow. Lynn, I appreciate you being here and for all you listening, thanks for coming out, listening today and wish you the best. Cody, thanks for being here too. Yeah. You too, David. And thank you so much for being here, Lynn. It has been amazing. And what wonderful, um, tips you've given us. So that is great. Oh, thank thanks you. you guys. I'm sure you were like, are we even here? Cause she never shuts up, but I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Awesome guys. <laughs> we'll see you. Thanks Lynn. And, uh, All right. We'll see you next time. Enjoy yourselves and meditate. <laughs> <laughs> see you everybody. So man, what an awesome interview. We had a great time, Lynn, exciting uh, person with some great ideas. I hope you all enjoyed it. We had a great time uh, talking with her and sharing this with you. And we look forward to our next show. And right now, me and Cody are going to go do some intuitive eating at a donut shop right around the corner. (laughs) That was really great. Thank you all for listening. And 
If you want to check out some of what me and Cody do, you can go to intuitivevision.net. Cody's got some incredible classes on there for download, live classes you can do over the phone no matter where you live on the planet. I've taken a ton of them. I love them. Sometimes I randomly jump on his website and just buy stuff. (laughs) And especially sometimes gifts for other people too. I like to buy, hey, you know what? You really need a meditation on letting go of pain. (laughs) Um, Intuitivevision.net, where you can let go of pain. And... uh, then uh, I'll plug my own website, groundedmind.com. It's a subscription site where you can log in every week and learn new tools, meditation tools. It's pretty cool. Check it out. Thank you so much, all of you, for listening. Hope you learned something, had a good laugh, enjoyed yourself, and grew. And we will see you next time on Energy Matters. Peace. You've been listening to the Energy Matters podcast with Cody Edner and David Gandelman. Brought to you by IntuitiveVision.net and GroundedMind.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud.com.